0: My name is Terry, I'm one of the pastors here. And I'm really excited about today. Uh, let me tell you kind of the culmination. Next week, we begin a brand new message series entitled Level Up. And uh, if you are uh, been a follower of Jesus for a long time or if you're new to the faith and you're just growing in your relationship with God or, or maybe you're not even a Christian at all and you're watching online or your balcony on the floor and you're just kind of dipping your toes in the water a little bit, I really want you to come back next week for the message series because we're really gonna be talking about about ways we can begin to level up our faith. Specifically, what does God tell us that we need as followers of Jesus to have so that we can grow in our relationship with God? And so I'm very excited about beginning that series next week. And this week, we we just have a standalone message. And where this was born out of is about a month ago, I was just sitting at my house and and uh, all of a sudden, I just, you know, ponder. I don't know if you do this. If you follow me, if you're driving around Myrtle Beach and you see me in my car, many times you'll see me talking to myself. Um, I, I do. I have imaginary conversations. Don't worry, I'm not weird, I promise. Um, a lot of times I'm talking to God. Well, I am weird, but a lot of times I talk to God. And uh, I remember just sitting there and just just contemplating it and it was, something was hitting me. And, I, and it was one of those moments where you just say, you know what, I, I need to grab my my computer and I need to just start typing. And, and all of a sudden, God really laid this message on my heart about a month ago, just all in in an instant, in a flash, Um, and it really deals specifically with Relationships. In order to set this up, um, yesterday I had the privilege of watching my son's tryout for B team baseball. And so, if you ever watch a bunch of middle schoolers out running around throwing the ball around, it's a lot of fun. At least I think it's a lot of fun. And uh, I'm watching, and there's a process that you begin when you play baseball. If you're not a sports person, that's okay. You can you can learn a little bit here. Um, but there's a process when you, when you go onto a baseball field. Um, in some sports, basketball, you can pick up a basketball and you can start shooting right away. Um, in baseball, um, it's actually dangerous. For you to take a ball and to begin throwing it full speed without any warm-ups. You can damage and hurt your shoulder. So there's something as coaches we teach, which is long toss. I've taught on this before, but this is in a little different manner. So I sat back and all the kids are stretching and they're and everything, and, and what you do is is that you get an individual, you know, a little bit of distance away, and then all of a sudden you have to focus on a couple of different aspects. And so long toss really is about us. And so what we do is, and what I teach is, is that you have to strengthen your arm. So you stretch your arm. And then what you wanna do is you want the right mechanics. Now don't fall asleep, I'm getting to a point, okay? So, all of a sudden, I'm watching these middle schoolers and the coach will teach, okay, feet work, arm position and everything else. And so you want to make sure that you have the right feet work. So you want to make sure that you, you see that really quick, really right. You have to watch, so pay attention now. So you have to have the right mechanics. So you want to make sure that you take stress off your arm. In order to do that, you use your legs. And so you want to take a little bit of a crow hop to be able to throw the ball. Now you have to point your left shoulder toward the target. So if you're open and you throw like this, you're putting stress on your arm. So you want to make sure that you have your, your arm pointed and elbow out. Then your partner, which is across the way, he's going to give you a target. So what you want to do is you want to position your feet, and you want to make a good throw. Now, that you want to do over and over and over again, and you strengthen your arm. There's a second aspect to this, though. And the second aspect is is that you want to be a good receiver. And so one of the things when you don't have the ball, you want to be able to have your glove and you want to position your glove in the right position and you want to have the right feet work. And so when you receive the ball, you want to make sure you're also having the right feet work. So every time you receive the ball, it's receive and go. See that? Really quick. fast. you got to pay attention now. So when you receive, you're catching, but then you're getting in position to throw the ball. Illustrate this a little bit better. I'm going to call my friend Thatch. Thatch, why don't you come up on the stage here really quick. How about a round of applause for Thatch? I guilted him into doing this for me. (laughs) he didn't know he was having to subject himself to this so I owe him lunch or something in the future so I told Fats I don't know if Fats is a good baseball player or not but I told him that I would play so in essence to illustrate this I was watching these middle schoolers and what was happening is is that they would go ahead and they would throw and sometimes they would hit right in the middle good job Fats you want to throw back to me real quick and they would catch and they would get in position that's the right way to play long toss now yesterday was fun and you don't have to just follow me here Yesterday was fun because I was watching the kids go back and forth. And when everything works just like it's supposed to, when you're able to throw the ball, when you're able to catch, when you're able to receive, and you're able to get, you're a lefty. I didn't know you were a lefty. That's pretty impressive. So when you're able to do that, it's a good relationship, right? Really good relationship. We're helping one another. I'm focused on what I'm supposed to do. That's just focused on what he's supposed to do. He looks a lot younger, and more in shape than I do. Don't judge. But With these middle schoolers, here's what I saw. All of a sudden, one pair. I saw one pair on the side. And the person throwing the ball, all of a sudden, did that. Oh, you almost caught it. That's impressive. You can throw it back real quick. And so then all of a sudden, he got it back, and then he did it again. And all of a sudden, I'm pretty, I could not ask to be able to do it. Let me see if I can do this one more time. Let's see. No, I couldn't. That's okay. But... Here's the point. At some point, Thatch, would you come closer to me so you get more in the light? That's okay. You can leave it down there. I got two more. Come over here. What happened is, which I expect, Thatch, not Thatch really, but Thatch started getting really ticked off. He started getting frustrated because every time I was throwing long toss, he was having to run to the fence and run to the fence and run to the fence. And all of a sudden, I saw after they got done throwing the ball, they came up close and Thatch, all of a sudden, the other kid, Thatch just said, and you could just walk off the stage, he just turned around and he just said, I'm I'm done, I'm done, I'm out of here. And I watched the two kids fighting all the way until they get to the group of kids. How about a round of applause for Thatch? Thank you so much. Here's the point. Our relationships are like that a lot of times, isn't it? Now, I don't want you to miss this. When throwing long toss. Really, it's really about me stretching my arm and working on my feet, working on my mechanics. I need another person to throw the ball to, but really the focus is on me making sure I get all that I can out of it. And all of a sudden, if, if I don't play long toss in the right way, relationship can be broken. How many of us are sitting in the room today and right now, if we were to say, whether it's brother or sister, whether it's father son, whether it's mother or daughter, whether it's husband wife, whether it's single adult, boyfriend, girlfriend, how many of us sitting here would say, you know what, my relationship with the other person, there are times when we get aggravated at each other, there are times when there is friction, there is times when I'm frustrated, there's times when I feel like, when Thatch and I were playing catch, I feel like I was catching the right way and I was throwing the right way, but all of a sudden Thatch is looking at me saying, you threw it over my head, it's your fault. How many of us, over time, we get frustrated? Well, here's what happens when we get frustrated. The old picture that counselors use is for every word we say, for every frustration we give, we put a brick in between us and the other individual. And when we first start in our relationships, a few bricks here and there, they're okay because we can still function. But what happens over a long period of time is is if you put too many bricks up, it builds a wall. And when that wall's there, then what happens is we separate from one another. We don't talk with one another. How many of you would sit here to say and say, it doesn't feel the same way? It's not like it used to be. Instead of maybe being open to new things, you right away, it's negative. Well, if you're sitting there today as we focus on relationships, Jesus Christ actually speaks about this really clearly as to how, and here's the thing, how do we begin removing the bricks away so that our relationships can be better, that they can be stronger, that we can play better long toss with one another? And so I'm really excited about sharing this message with you, and we're going to go to what Jesus says. Jesus, in Luke chapter 6, verse 37, he's going to make a statement that a lot of us know, but we did not understand the context in which he was saying it. So let's take a look together. Luke chapter 6, verse 37. Jesus said this, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Now pause. I love this, and most of us Bible study students, we read that and say, okay, got it. Don't judge people. Got it, got it, got it. But watch what Jesus does. The next statement is really important for Bible study students because he basically says, says the same thing twice in a different way. It's as if Jesus is looking at us and saying, hey, 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 don't skim over this, this is really important. Jesus says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. And it's as if Jesus is saying, hey, you're gonna be tempted to judge one another, you're gonna be tempted to condemn. It's as if Jesus sat down in my living room and said, Terry, you want me to give you a secret to your marriage? Every single day, you're gonna be tempted to judge and condemn your bride. It's just natural. It's just in your human nature. You are gonna nitpick, you are gonna criticize. Every day, you're predisposed as a human being to want to do that to your bride. And so I'm gonna warn you, be ready for it. But then we're gonna learn what we're supposed to do with this. In fact, what I love better, there's a guy by the name of Paul. And Paul writes about this. And he writes to the Romans, and I want you to see what Paul says about judging one another and criticizing one another. You ready? Take a look at what he says. He says, You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? What did Paul just do? He just said the same thing twice in a different way. It's as if he says, Look, Danger Will Robinson. If you're under the age of 30, it's a TV show from long ago, you'll get the point. But it's the same thing twice. And then he says, don't miss it, for we will all stand before God's judgment seat. Ooh. Now, I love this. Because if you're not a Christian in this room, this is where you don't like God very much. I hope my chair doesn't break. I shouldn't have had those tacos yesterday. But we don't like this. We get scared about this. We think of standing before holy God and God judging us. I don't know about you, but I'm a sinner. I don't know about you, but I've done some things I'm not proud of. And so to the thought of me picturing in my mind, sitting before perfect holy God and him judging me, I shake in my boots a little bit, don't you? I grew up in a faith and a religion that taught me that you know what, when you do stand before God, you better have done enough good things so that way you get a green check mark and you can go to heaven. In fact, I would dare to say that many people in our church and many people watching online think that that's what God's doing. Do you know that that's not actually what Paul's talking about? And do you also know that yes, we will all stand before God. If you're a follower of Jesus, hear me closely, if you're a follower of Jesus, we will stand before God and we will be judged on our actions. However, not the way that you think we're going to be judged. I know this. If you're a follower of Jesus, here's what you've done. You've said, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe he came to this earth, lived a perfect life. He died on a cross for my sin. He paid the price for my sin so that I may spend eternity with God the Father, God the Son, in eternity. If you've done that, your eternal security is fixed. If you've done that in your heart, you don't ever have to doubt, you don't ever have to question, you don't have to worry, you're going to make a whole ton of mistakes, you're going to live life that is great, and you're going to live a filthy life at times because you're not perfect. But guess what? You don't have to doubt. You don't ever have to doubt in your eternal security. Do you want to know why? Because the only unforgivable sin in Scripture is called blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. What is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is an outright rejection of Jesus Christ. It means, I do not believe he's the son of God. I do not believe he died on a cross. I do not believe he paid the price for my sins. And I do not accept the fact that he sits in heaven. If that's you, danger will Robinson. But if you believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior, then when Paul says that all of us, and he's talking about Christians, because did you notice, why did you treat your brother or sister with contempt? He's talking about believers. So when we stand before God, And he looks at us. Here is the great picture. Wake up, please, because I don't ever want you to forget this. You know what God's going to do when when I come up? First thing I can imagine God doing is saying, Oh, Terry, (laughs) you're such a mess. Oh, you think you're funny, but you're really not that funny. But you know what, Terry, I love you. And so, Terry, let's take a look at your life. And you know what Terry's going to do? Terry's going like, say, okay, God, but let me tell you about a few things. I know you've seen them, but, you know, I mean, I'm not happy enough. And you know what God's going to do? God's going to say, Terry, 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 I'm not here to judge you for that. Because the truth is I've already forgiven you. And so, Terry, let's play the tape of your life. And when we get to those moments in our lives that we're not proud of, you know what God does? He hits the fast-forward button. If you're a parent and you're watching a movie and you're coming up to a scene that you don't want your kids to see, you know what I'm talking about, Right? Okay, fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. And that's what God's gonna do with us. He's gonna fast forward through those moments. And you know what God's gonna do? You know where he's gonna stop the tape? Terry, this is where I was really proud of you. In the moment, your humanity would have said, yell back. In a moment, your humanity would have said, be impatient. In the moment, your humanity would have said, make the wrong choice. But you know what you did? You prayed. And you know what you did? You modeled what I expect of you. And you know what, because of that, two or three people started talking to me. And so I want to tell you, great job, Terry. And let's go to the next one, Terry. This is where you gave up your career to become a pastor. And Terry, I'm so proud of you for finally surrendering your life and doing what I wanted you to do. Yeah, but God, it was four years, and you said, I'm not, I'm not interested, Terry. I'm not going back there. i have forgiven you for that. And do you know what Jesus says later on in Scripture? And you, you can go to sleep for the rest of the message. I haven't even gotten to the good stuff yet. But here's the part. Jesus says that he is leaving the earth. When he was on earth, he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And he's gonna come back. And when we die, the first person we're gonna see is Jesus Christ. And you know what Jesus is gonna do? He's gonna take us to our place. And you know what's gonna be in my place? All the rewards for all the good actions for God that I've done in my life And so I'm going to go into my place and I'm going to see all the rewards. I'm going to see a World Series Chicago Cubs poster of 26 years in a row on the wall. Hey, I can have faith. I can believe that can happen. Miracles do happen, right? But here's the point. God doesn't, don't miss this, God doesn't sit on a judgment seat to condemn us. God sits on his judgment seat for followers of Jesus to catch us doing something right and to affirm us. In fact, do you know this? That the picture of this, if for those of you that are going to go to Israel with us later in the year this year, we actually go to a place called Caesarea Maritime. And in Caesarea Maritime, you can see this picture here. And this is the actual amphitheater. This is Herod's Palace that has been excavated on this, the, red, uh, excuse me, the Mediterranean Sea. And on the Mediterranean Sea, it faces. And right here, that little gray platform is called the Bema Seat. And on the Bemis Seat, it was the judge, and the person sitting there would look at the person that was condemned and they were, or the person that was charged, and they would be the judge. And what Paul says is when you see God, God will not judge you and condemn you. He will affirm you and he will lift you high. Now, Terry, why would you tell us all that? We talked about long toss. What does this have to do with relationships? And this is where it hurts. And this is where I really want everybody to focus, if you're in a relationship right now. Because then I turn it on to me. Well, Terry, what lesson does God give me? What about us? And what about us is this. What right do I have to judge others as harshly as we do when God doesn't do that to me? Now you begin to see why Jesus says, do not judge, or you'll be judged. Do not condemn, or you will be Condemned. That's why Paul says, why do you treat your brother and sister so harshly? Do you know why they both said that? It's why are you doing this? That's not important. Do you understand that you're accountable to God only? And do you know that when you get to heaven, God is not going to look at you and rub your face in all your mistakes? He's going to look to catch all the wonderful things that you did, and he's going to affirm you. So why on earth, as a Christian, would you look at a brother and sister in Christ, and why would you judge them, criticize them, and condemn them when God will not do that to you? So what right do we have to criticize like we do when God doesn't do that to us? Because God sits in a place of affirmation, not judgment for followers of Jesus. Do you understand? Man, I don't know about you, but there's freedom in that. There's freedom in not shaking in my boots. Now I can look at God and say, man, my father loves me so much that he wants to affirm me. So now, remember I told you that I sat down and I wrote down some statements because I was really hit hard. Have I judged? Yes. Have I criticized? Yes. Have I lost my temper? Yes. And so I wrote these three statements that I truly believe God gave me and I want you to see them. We're gonna break them down. Number one. Oh, number one. That's number two. Is that number two? Go back, number one. There you go. Number one, you can't feel appreciated if you're not affirmed. So right now in this room, you can't feel appreciated if you're not also affirmed. However, there's a second one, and the second one is this. You can't feel affirmed if you're not valued. It's really important. You want to be affirmed, you got to be valued at the same time. But there's a third one, and it's this. You can't feel valued if you're not appreciated and you're not affirmed. Now, it's cyclical, isn't it? Well, Terry, how do we get there? Well, let's break each down really quickly. We're gonna motor through, but let's break this down and let's begin to see how we can begin taking bricks away from our relationship and start truly playing a better game of long toss. Number one, you can't feel appreciated if you're not affirmed. The Harvard study once did this. They evaluated businesses and corporations. And what they found is, is that there is a a silver lining in great businesses, average businesses, and poor businesses, and here's what it is. The low-performing teams, for every one positive comment that team members made, they received three negative comments. We talk about appreciation and affirmation. In a low-performing team, they don't function well because they're always worried about what Sally's talking about behind their back. In relationships... If you have three negative comments for every positive statement, you probably, don't, you probably have a low-performing marriage or a low-performing relationship with a sibling or a boyfriend or girlfriend. Here's the second thing. An average performing team gives two positive comments to every one criticism. So it flips, right? But notice it's only average. Do you know what they found with good performing teams? Good performing teams, high performing teams have 5.6 positive comments to one negative. I like the 5.6 because it's like almost like the person who started to give a compliment and then stopped themselves. But I like to say, don't, shouldn't we deploy in our relationships a five to one ratio? Shouldn't we, instead of looking to find criticisms, shouldn't we flip it and be able to say, you know what, today I'm going to find five things about the individual that I want to affirm or I want to appreciate. And if we do that, maybe that builds our relationship. And do you know why that's important? It is because Jesus Christ has the answer for us. He says, Terry, do not judge, do not condemn. And then the next word out of his mouth is this, forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Terry, that's hard. Terry, you don't know what they've done to me. Terry, you don't know what they've said about me. In the game of long toss, the focus is about how you throw and how you receive. It is not about the other person. When I go to play long toss, I'm focused on me, my mechanics. In life, you're going to have individuals, spouses, everything. They're going to yell at you. They're going to talk back at you. They're going to betray you. They're going to do all the wrong things. Now, here's the thing. I'm not saying that you have to like everybody. I always tell Jesus this. In fact, I've said this to my wife not a lot of times, but a few times. Honey, I love you, but right now I don't like you. She's not here right now. She's in the next service, so it's okay. I can say that. No, I tease it. I've said that to her before. But the point is this: that I will always love her. The point is, is that as brothers and sisters in Christ, we can agree to disagree. But I always have to agree with you as my brother. Nothing is far greater than my relationship with a brother and sister in Christ. I don't care how they treat me. I don't care how they hack. At the end of the day, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, and we're going to be in heaven one day. And somehow, I don't know, but somehow, we're all going to get along. And so God looks at us and says, don't get caught up in all the criticism, the negativity and everything else. You need to agree with one another. And so Jesus says, you know what? The first thing you need to do is begin to forgive. Remember I told you that we put walls up? One of the first ways that you begin to move those bricks is you forgive and you take the brick and you move the brick. And it's hard, but that's the first thing. The second point that I mentioned was this. You can't feel affirmed if you're not valued. So how do you value someone? Let me show you how you value someone. Here's six things really quickly. Number one, you need to show interest. Show interest in who they are. Show interest in what they've done. If you have a middle schooler, a 14-year-old, it's really hard to show interest. Let me tell you why. Hey, buddy, how was school today? Fine. Did anything interesting happen today? No. How was math class? Fine did you have any tests today? Yeah. How'd you do on your test? I don't know. It's exhausting. (laughs) But let me tell you something. If I want to value my son, I've got to come prepared as a parent with 20 questions to keep the dialogue and keep the wall open between he and I. I can't get frustrated at my middle schooler for being a teenager. And I can't sit there and say, you drive me crazy with your one word answers. Give me more than just one word, please, for once. Goodness. Instead, I realize that that's the phase that he's in. And instead, what I do is, is I come up with about 17 questions until he finally looks at me and says, will you stop asking me all these questions? That's when I know I've asked enough. But he knows I'm interested. Second thing you need to do is invest in them. Invest in making them better actually show that you care about what's going on in their life. There's too many of us that come home and we talk about our day, but we don't ask about how your day was. And then when you find out how their day is, then maybe you can do something to invest in their life. Number three, make time. I'm tired of the excuse, and I do it all the time. I just don't have the time. No, we all have the same amount of time. It's how you prioritize your time that matters. I had someone today walk out and say, you have a teenage son? I go, yes. And he says, don't miss it. And I looked at him and I said, you know, you're about the 700th person who's told me that. And so the true story is, my wife and I have worked really, really hard to invest in these years with our son, because we only have one. And if we blink, we miss it. Number four, I like this one. Talk about them publicly. You want to show someone value? When you're in public, say, you know what? My wife is the best maker of pot roast that you can imagine. She's incredible with what she does. You know, my wife is the most compassionate wife in the world. Do you know that when we sit one-on-one, my wife, and this is true, is much better than I am in relationship building than me. When you do that in public and you affirm your spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your brother or your sister, when you do that, it shows them value. Here's a great thing, when you get older, you get this a little bit more, shoot straight. I don't have time for drama. Maybe it's because I just don't care as much anymore because I'm getting older and I just don't care as much what people think of me. But the truth of the matter is, I'm not gonna sidestep over the bricks. Some of you have a wall right now in between you and you know it and he knows it and you're just playing the silent game. You know what, it's time to finally look at one another and say, what are we doing? What are we doing? Why are you frustrated at me? Let's talk about it. Can we begin to take the bricks away from between us? Because I'd really, really like to get better. So what do we have to do today to to be able to do that? Because you know what? We don't have time for drama. I don't have time to sidestep and to move around. You know what? There's way too much going on in this world. I've got to get and shoot straight. Show them value. Last but not least, help them to get to what's next. And that's what Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, does with all of us, right? He values us, and the way he values us is he lives in us, and when he lives in us, he takes the time to be able to guide and direct us to what is better for us. That makes us feel valued. The third point You can't feel valued if you're not appreciated or affirmed. And Jesus knew that. So Terry, wait a minute, you're confusing me. You're talking about we need value, but then you're saying we can't. I mean, what is it? Right. So do you want to know, those of you that fell asleep, wake up, because this is the practical part. Do you want to know how we can value, appreciate, and affirm someone? Because Jesus actually said it. And here's the first thing. I'm going to give it to you, and then we're going to look at Scripture. The first thing that he says you need to give the other individual something that's needed. You need to give your spouse, give your brother, give them something that they need. Now, let's explain it. We're going to take a look at two passages. First, we're going to look at 1 John, because I think the author of 1 John writes this in such a great manner that we begin to understand what they're talking about. So what do we need? What do all of us need? Let's take a look. It says, We proclaim to you that we have seen, what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Do you know what this is? Don't miss this. This is so good. If you're a follower of Jesus in this room and you have a spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, the greatest gift that you could give the other individual is something that they need. And what they need is a strong relationship with Jesus, right? So you know the best way to give someone a strong relationship with Jesus I say it a different way. You know the best way to know God is to know someone who knows God? I'll say it again. The best way to know God is to know someone who knows God. And so in your relationship, the best way for you to give them something that's needed is to model what Jesus Christ would call you to. So here's the truth. If I was that middle school kid playing long toss and that other kid threw the ball over my head about four or five times, what Jesus requires me is, this, this is not about that. He has his own abilities. I can't judge his abilities. He has a different background. He maybe hasn't played as long as me. I know it's frustrating. I know it's tiring. But you know what? The truth is he's not doing it on purpose. And so I just need to keep my head down. Fat, you ready? And I just need to go ahead and I just need to keep throwing right to the individual. Now, that's what we should do as husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend. You know what? Maybe they're having a bad day. I'm not going to respond. But do you know what I probably would have done on the baseball field? I would have said, will you throw the ball, Fetch? Throw it right. Damn, I'm just so tired of this. Notice I didn't hit you. Pretty good. How many of us do that? How many of us, instead of focusing, don't miss this. This is where you lean in. Please, don't miss this. How many of us forget that playing long toss is about myself developing the right mechanics? Myself requiring the right mechanics. And how many of us forget relationships are about me focusing on what God calls me to and the right mechanics? And instead, we react to someone else when the game of long toss is not about the other person. The game of long toss is about what I do. And so, God, what am I responsible for? What is my responsibility in this relationship? Because don't miss this. God, there's so much water on the bridge. God, there's such a big wall. God, he doesn't treat me the right way. She doesn't treat me the right way. Okay, At the end of the day, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna stand before the Bema seat. And you know what God's gonna do? God's gonna say, you know what, Terry? I saw where you were patient. You know what, Terry? I saw where you endured. You know what, Terry? I saw where it was not fair. And you know what? I wanna tell you, well done, thy good and faithful servant. God sees. And when God sees, that's what matters to me. And the author says, we write this to make our joy complete. I'm done and I'm wrapping up. Jesus, or Jesus says the next thing, he says, give, but then he says this, give and it will be given back to you. It's as if Jesus says, Terry, if you focus on the right thing and model the right way, if you don't get frustrated and pitch a ball 90 miles an hour at Thatch's head, if you don't do that, then he is going to see humility. He is going to see patience and maybe he begins to respond in the same manner. And so if you give that kind of grace patience, then maybe it comes back to you. So you want to give them something that's fulfilling. And fulfilling means modeling what Jesus would call. Jesus finally says this, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be poured over into your lap. Do you get what Jesus says? Terry, don't judge. Terry, don't condemn. I've said it twice in a different way because that's a way to death. You want your relationship to build a big wall? Just do that. You want to break that wall down and have a better relationship? Give, model, focus on my, your relationship with me. Do what I call you to do. And if you do, oh, I'll bless you. In fact, Harry, I'll bless you so much that even if, you, if I pour it into a jar and if I camp it down, it will still overflow the jar. So you want that relationship? That's what you have to do. Last but not least, give them something that's life changing, and Jesus ends. Given, it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use, don't miss this, it will be measured to you. And so Terry, your fight, I see it. I see it. And I can't wait to affirm it because you're gonna stand before me and I will affirm you in the presence of the angels. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you so much. This is a a, a complicated message and it's hard because there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of history and frustration. And and God, it doesn't mean that if we choose to do the right thing that on this earth we're gonna receive what we're due and that's what it's not about. At the end of the day, God, I'm responsible to you. And so, God, right now in this room, I lift up my brothers and sisters who are online, balcony, floor, and right now I just say, God, right now I ask that you would forgive me for the times in which I throw a ball 90 miles an hour. Forgive me what I, when I return what I receive at times. And instead, I want to begin focusing on my mechanics, I want to begin focusing on my relationship with you, and I want to return to you exactly what you called me to. So God, right now in this place, I ask that you would forgive me. God, give me wisdom, give me strength. And Lord, may today I begin rebuilding a stronger relationship with my loved ones because of what you called me to. So I love you, Lord, and I bless you in Jesus' name. May God bless you.